I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill. I'm here with longtime friend and fellow guardian, Guard Dog Steve. Our dog Steve, I kind of like that nickname. I'll take it. Like I said last week, I'll take it. How you doing, Steve? Garden, man. I'm garden. You know that verse in Romans 5, I think it's 18 or 19, where sin did abound. Grace hyperabounded. Grace did, yeah, much more abound. Yes. yes. It is the word huper, but the Latin word hyper. It is It is the, the word hyperabounded. You could actually say hypergrace. Yes. In spite of everybody that says beware of hypergrace, the Bible actually says to rely on hypergrace. None other than the Apostle Paul. No, yeah, yeah. Only Paul said rely on hypergrace when so, you're having a bad day. When a bad day abounds, grace does hyperabound. How about that? That verse just sends the legalists into contortions and spasms and fear and explanations and warnings and doesn't it oh yeah and it seemed like you know about two two and a half years ago they were all saying beware of hyper grace hyper grace this hyper grace that and all of a sudden you don't hear it anymore and it had to be because some it dawned on somebody that this passage that we're talking about in romans Paul was actually uh, legit. Yeah, legitimizing hyper grace. He he was yeah. He was trying saying, to think of the word that he 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 was promoting hyper grace. There it goes. Took me long enough to think of that word. He was emphatic. It was a joyful proclamation. Yes, where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Hyper abound. If you're trying to catch someone on the racetrack and every time you speed up, they speed up twice as fast, you're not going to catch that guy, are you? Not going to catch him. Well, you're not going to catch Grace with your hyper-sinning. Right. (laughs) And a couple things, you know, it's not even talking about sinning. The the word there is is a noun where the sin increased. It's the sin. The the singular sin, sin, actually. A noun. It's not a verb. It's not a verb. It's not saying for people that keep sinning and abounding in sinning that grace abounds. It's saying where the sin abound. Right. It's personified. Yeah. And it says the law was added that the sin would increase. The yes. singular sin. That's be- why 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty six says the power of sin is the law. It was added after the promise. Yes. And does not nullify the promise. Does not nullify. Cannot. No. It was Paul just, makes that abundantly clear in Galatians. Can the law, which was added 430 years later, nullify the promise? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. The law was just added for a dispensation of time. And it was added just to be our tutors. Galatians Chapter four, or is that chapter three? I think I think it is three. Okay, it was a tutor to lead us to Christ. Christ. Yeah, and now we are no longer under the supervision of the tutor. Now that faith has come, and the reason it led us to Christ is because it made sin (laughs) abound, abound, (laughs) so that you would cry out, "Wretched man that I am!" Like it says in Romans three. 
Through the law comes the knowledge of sin. That's what Paul said. I would not have known about coveting if, if the law had not said, thou shall not covet. But when the commandment came, sin sprang to life. It hyperabounded. Hyperabounded, yes. And caused so, me to feel like a miserable wretch. So even if you wanted to define it as hypersinning verb, it still would abound. Yes. The grace would still abound over it. Yes. So it's not even an argument, but in case you want to have a fool's argument, if you sin all you want, will grace increase? Well, yeah, it would. Yes. But that's not the goal of Guardians of Grace is to up your sin game. No. You Let's didn't. make that really clear. Yeah. We, we do not promote sin in any way, shape, or form. We are anti-sin at Guardians of Grace. Anti-sin. We want the Christian to actually blossom as a Christian and become a sinless Christian. We're just saying that grace, relying on the grace of God or the power of God, they're, they're synonymous, relying on the grace or the power of God is the way to defeat sin, not gritting your teeth and trying really, really, really hard this time because the other 200 times failed, but this time you're going to try harder than you ever tried before. That system doesn't work. That mentality doesn't work. No, it doesn't. So we're not saying let's keep sinning that grace would increase even though it would. No, we're saying let's live a new way of life in Christ Jesus so we can sin less. And Paul wasn't saying it either. Let's go to six one where he says, what shall we say? Shall we continue in the sin that grace might increase? In the a noun. reference to the, it is the noun. Shall we continue in the singular sin that grace might increase? Yeah. And he says... Absolutely not. Mea noia. Yeah. Let's stop for a second and just get an understanding of what it means. Shall we continue in the uh, sin? We might have to jump over here to Romans 7 real quick. Paul says, I do what I don't understand and I don't do what I want to do, but I do the very evil I hate. And if it's I'm doing the very evil I hate. It's no longer me doing it. It's the, the sin that lives in me, that is in my human nature, because I know that nothing good dwells in my human nature. Only the sin, sin the sin, the sin that is personified in Romans 7 dwells in my human nature definitely does not dwell in the spirit of God which you have inside you as a as a born again believer flesh gives birth to flesh and spirit gives birth to spirit and in your flesh in your human nature Romans 7 tells you point blank that sin lives in your human nature and when you apply the law Sin gets more powerful and it takes the opportunity that the law gives it when you put yourself under the law as a human being trying to uphold the law in your own human strength, then sin becomes more powerful and it whoops you. It yep. whoops you every time, but it does not whoop Christ in you the hope of glory. That's why we're saying depend on Christ in you to live this Christian life because Christ can whoop sin. And that's what we want you to do here at Guardians of Grace. We want you to whoop sin. That's what we're about. And it's only done by the Spirit. So in Romans 7, he says, the sin. The sin. And in Romans 6, 1, he says the same thing. Yes. Shall we continue in the sin? The sin. Then he says, that grace might increase. That grace might increase. Then he gives the strongest 
Heck you, no. Almost a Greek curse word. It is close to a Greek cursing. It's emphatic. Yes. Mea Noink. is the... Yes. Go the, ahead. the strongest negation word in the Greek language is mea. And it's may it never be. Perish the thought. Don't even think it. Okay. Pretty much same attitude we have at Guardians of Grace. But that's the Apostle Paul. Right. He said, right. don't even think I'm, I'm saying that. Right. Right. Then he says something. Now we're expecting him to say, now you know better, right? Or something like that. Right. Or you've get made a commitment. Get redetermined. Yeah. You've made a commitment. Yes. You, you walk down front, made a commitment. Or, or burn a dove in the fire and get back on track. But he doesn't say any of those things. You know what he actually says? Yeah. He gives us an eternal truth. He says, don't you know? Don't you know? Do you not know? And the King James only people, know ye not? Know ye not. Know ye not. That's funny. <laughs> Got to keep the game, James, James only people happy. Happy, yes. Yeah. So, do you not know? Well, what are you supposed to know? Exactly. <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, it's worth looking into. Now, if you think that you need to put a restriction on grace and hyperabounding grace, then you don't know. Right. If you think you need to maybe dial down your grace a little bit, you definitely don't know. No. One thing, you don't know how powerful sin is. And you're not taking sin seriously. No. If you no. think that 90% is Jesus and 10% is you doing your commitment part. Right. You're not taking the law seriously. You're You're watering down the law. Yeah. You're watering down what Jesus said because he said, be perfect. You need to hyper up the law. Yes. To where it belongs. Right. As impossible for you to keep absolute impossibility so he says or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death that we were therefore buried with him through baptism unto death in order that Christ was raised from the dead so we too might walk in newness of life that, what <laughs> yeah yeah that's what Paul said you after need to know. they asked him should we go on sinning that grace may abound he said what Bill just said. Don't you know that all of us who have been baptized have been baptized into Christ's death? We've been buried with him through death. Through baptism into death. death. In order that as Christ was raised from the dead, we too might walk in newness of life. Here's some more stuff to know. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we shall certainly be united with him in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that the old man of us was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. For he who's died has been literally justified from all sin. Yes. That is a lot there. And we need to know some a little bit of background. Yes. On, like, when did we die? When were we buried? When did all this take place yes when did this happen how did it happen do you know this happened do you know this happened your eternal security depends on it it doesn't depend on you knowing it but your peace of mind sure exactly <laughs> sure does. exactly how you feel how you feel about your eternal destiny depends on knowing what paul said do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into christ jesus have been baptized into his death so i think it's important that steve that we maybe go back a little bit more into romans 5 maybe 12 and then back that up with some old testament types and shadows sure it sounds good to me that we can get some, some pictures, something to look at, something okay, better okay. than us rambling about it. We'll let the Word yes. explain the Word. Yes, as we always do. That's the way we roll. That's how we roll. So let's roll back yeah. to Romans 5.12. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Okay, do you want me to read it? Yeah, you to get the clarity. Otherwise, it'll just be kind of off the top of my head. Okay, okay. 
Can I see if I'm right off the top? Sure, sure, sure. Is it therefore just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and this way death spread to all men because all sin? Yes. Okay, keep going. Sure. Oh, okay, for until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, sin is not taken into account when there is no law, but it was in the world. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned, like a verb, in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of Jesus who is to come. Okay, so so it says sin is not taken into account without law. Yes. Right? But it also says but people were dying from the time of Adam till the time the law was given. Yes. So whose sin were they dying because of? Adam's. Isn't that what he's saying here? It's exactly what he's saying. He says, therefore, sin entered the world through one man named Adam. And so, and death got its entrance into the world through sin. Adam's sin. Adam's sin. That same feeling that Adam had when he ate from the tree he wasn't supposed to eat of, and he felt naked and ashamed. The Bible calls it death. Yes. That's what reigned. That's what reigned. Like a king. And it reigned over those who had not even sinned like Adam did. They Rome, didn't. Romans 5.14. So we have a dilemma here. Yes. They didn't commit, they didn't break a commandment. No. But they died anyway. That They got credited with sinning even though there was no law to break. They were still credited with sinning and getting the death penalty for the wages of sin is death but it almost doesn't seem fair no it definitely doesn't seem fair and I'm going to go back to the words don't you know don't you know because there's this principle called corporate identity theologians use that term we'll just call it the way God sees things yeah we'll keep it simple okay God's point of view you did a whole podcast on eternal points of view and temporal points of view. Yes, just a couple podcasts ago. And temporal points of view are easy to understand. You see them, you witness them. Yes. But eternal points of view are something you have to take by faith. By faith. And this is one you have to take by faith because sin reigned from the time of Adam till the time of Moses when the law was given, even to those who did not Sin, sin like Adam did. Yeah. So they were getting credit or penalty for the sin of Adam. Yes. And this is a common theme throughout the Old Testament because we need to see things the way God sees things. He saw one man, Adam, when he saw all humanity. Yes. Just like Israel was a type of this corporate identity. Should we show an example or two right now? Yeah. Do you want to go to Hosea 11? Yes, I think we should. Okay. Hosea chapter 11, starting in verse 1. When Israel was a youth, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. Okay. How many people are we talking about in that passage? My son, one person. One person. But wasn't it, I've heard estimates of three million, as low as 30,000, but more than one. More than one. So what's the problem here? Yeah, it was, a, it was an entire nation. An entire nation. Yes. That's the temporal point of view. That's the, from, from our point of view, from man's point of view, there was... 30,000 to three million. Yes. Anywhere in between. Yes. What's the eternal point of view, or from God's point of view? It was 
one man called Israel. Who at this point in history isn't even alive. Right. Right. He's been dead for a while. Yes. Yet God sees the whole nation of Israel as one man. And he did this repeatedly. Every chapter in the Old Testament, you see this illustration of corporate identity. That's what it's called. That's what the scholars call it. Corporate identity. Where one man represents the nation. The whole nation. In fact, very rarely in the Old Testament do you see Israelis. Yes. It's it's usually the one guy Israel. That's true. Singular guy Israel. Yes. In other words, the nation of Israel is depicted as one man. One single person. One single person is right. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 1, because it actually gives both points of view, a temporal doctrine and an eternal doctrine. It's actually... Go ahead. It gives God's point of view, how God sees the nation of Israel, and it gives how the nation of Israel sees the nation of Israel. I like that better. Yes. Yes. Okay, so do you want me to read it? Yeah, and you'll see the two points of views. Let me start in one. I'll start in verse four. Alas, sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, sons who act corruptly. Uh, Okay, too soon. So is that one man or does that sound like it's talking about a nation of people? An entire nation of people. He's talking to the nation of Israel. And then something changes, doesn't it? Yes. They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from him. Where will you be stricken again as you continue in your rebellion? The whole head is sick. And the whole heart is faint from the sole of the foot, even to the head. There is nothing sound in it, only bruises, welts, and raw wounds, not pressed out or bandaged, nor softened with oil. Now that sounds like it's talking about one man, actually one body. One single person, and God just drilled this into the Israeli people that the whole nation is one, one for all and all for one. Israel to this day still is ingrained with that idea. They all stick up and fend for each other because through the entire Old Testament, you see this idea about what the scholars call corporate identity, but the idea of one One person being looked at as the whole nation. And we've got stories about how one person sinned and took some of the loot or the booty, and it said the whole nation stole that loot or booty. But but it was just one single family that did it. A guy named Aiken. Aiken. Achan did it, and the whole nation was penalized for what Achan did because God wants us to realize that the sin of one person affects everybody or the righteousness of one person affects everybody. Like I said before, the scholars call it corporate identity. And then we're going to see that's what Paul is saying Sin entered the world through one man. Adam's sin counted for every person that would ever live. Yes, yes. Maybe we'll even look at the idea of corporate identity in the New Testament first. Well, let's go ahead and look at what we just pictured as the body of Israel. Yes. There's a corresponding that almost reads exactly alike in 1 Corinthians 12. Okay, we'll go there. All right. I'm starting in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For even as the body is one 
and yet has many members and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free. Not many, but one. Yes, the same idea of corporate identity that every Christian should get a handle of, because otherwise you'd You'll be never think, know. Romans 6, 3, don't I, you know? I thought God was punishing me for, for my sins, for my individual sins, and I thought it was very unfair that the people who did not sin in the offense of Adam got punished for sin, even though they had not sinned themselves. Yeah, they got the same credit for the sin or the same punishment for the sin as if they had done it themselves. Yes, yes. But we're going to see that this idea called corporate identity is actually good news. Right. And it'll just take us a while to get there. So when we go to Romans 6, 1, we'll see it's talking about the sin or the sin nature, as we'll find out later. But let's go back to Romans five twelve. Okay, I'm let's there. Let's see if we can get a little further. Yes, I'm there. Okay. Let's see. Five twelve. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all men sinned. So let me stop you, Steve. Does that mean all people commit individual sin? Or does it mean all people got credit for Adam's sin? Sad to say, but it means all people got credit for Adam's sin. Because the next because of what the next yes, verse is going to tell us. It explains it. Yes. Even though both are true, people do commit individual sins, but that's not what this is talking about. Yes. So let me read verse 13, Romans 5, verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Explain that, Steve. Yeah, sin was in the world because it came through Adam, even though and it, it, at all men got credit for sin, even though there was no law to break. You can't be charged with an offense if there's not a law. Exactly, exactly. Yet they were all credited with sin, and sin was living in the world. Okay. Verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam. So that explains it. Yeah. They could not be getting credited for their individual sins because there was no law yet given to count against them. They were credited for what Adam Adam did. This idea of corporate identity, what one person does counts for everybody. So their individual sins were not taken into account without the law, which came 400 and, no, a lot longer than that. Yeah. I always thought it was my sins that sent me to death. My first 10 years, I thought it was me who sent myself to hell. Me but too. I did. I did. And it's not. That's not what the Bible's asking us to believe. You didn't know, as Paul said. We didn't know. We were credited before we were ever born with sin. And one sin. Yes. Let me read that over again. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses... And Moses was the beginning of the law, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. See, Adam is a type of Jesus 
a corporate personality, a person that everybody got credited for what Adam did. His actual name, Adam, means mankind. Yes, it does. Adam, you shall surely die in that day that you eat of the forbidden fruit. And mankind did. And mankind did, as we see, even though they did not sin individually. Okay, verse 15. Some good news. (laughs) Yes. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one many died, much more did the grace of God in the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. Wow. That's so much good news. So much better. So much better that the gift was given to us and we didn't even know it. We didn't even know it. We actually got credited for living a perfect, perfect. sinless life. That's what the gift was. That was what the gift of righteousness was. Just in case you didn't know, the the gift was being credited with a perfectly lived Christian life. You were being credited with a life that was sin-free. Never sinned, not once. Yes. Kind of good news, isn't it? It is good news, and it's better than the bad news that you were credited for breaking a commandment, even though you didn't. Adam did it. But we broke enough commandments of our own. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I'll read verse 16. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation for all the people. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. So, since Paul repeated the same thought, let me repeat the same thought. We got the gift of the credit of a perfectly lived Christian life. Jesus gave us that gift. And God said, we lived a perfectly lived Christian life. Just in case you didn't get it the first time I said it. The gift is better. The gift is better. Than the trespass. Yes. Okay, so I'll go on and and read from there. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Wow. So we get the gift of righteousness, the gift of grace through Jesus Christ. He lived the perfect life for us corporate identity. One gives credit to all because it's looked at as all lived the life of the one. So receive this truth. Receive it. You have to receive it by faith. This is an eternal truth. Like I've said before, you've got to get a handle on temporal and eternal truths. And eternal truths you accept by faith, you'll see how it becomes an important thing to do. You accept these eternal truths by faith. In fact, it actually says those who receive this gift reign in life. Yes. Good performers don't reign in life. Yes. Good receivers of this truth do. Bill, let me just compare Romans 3, let's say verse 20, and Romans 5 verse 20 because they say something that's profound when you put them together. Let me just go. Romans 3.20. Well, let me start in verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, 
it speaks to those who are under the law that every single mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God because by works of the law, no flesh will be justified in God's sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Now let me read 520. And the law came in that the transgression might increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Wow, they do go together. You, you see, it's the idea that the law shut up all men under sin, and so then all men had the knowledge of how bad their behavior was. And so when it says in 520, where sin increased, because of the knowledge of sin increase, because the law, like Paul said in Romans 7, I would not have known coveting if the law had not said, thou shall not covet it. But sin taking the opportunity through the law produced in me coveting of every kind. For 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty six, the power of sin is the law. Well, through this law came the knowledge of sin and just how bad we missed the mark. And the more the law came in and the more we had an increase in the, the wanting of grace, the more we wanted the grace, it increased our need for grace. The more our knowledge of sin grew, the more our knowledge that we need grace increased. That's what he's saying when it says, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Where the law caused sin to increase, it caused our need for grace to abound all the more. That's exactly it. I'm saying all that to to be able to say this. The more the law causes your awareness of how much you sin to increase is the more the law causes your awareness of how much you need grace to increase. Where the sin abounded, the grace much more abounded because you need more grace. You need more of the power of grace than the power of sin. You need grace to be able to overpower sin because you can't. That's why Paul was saying, do you want to live in the sin anymore? He didn't say do you want to go on sinning? No. He said, do you want to live in the sin? And that's an important observation to make. I think we should go off on it as we wind down this podcast. Yeah, so what is the sin, Steve? We've headed around at it. We've shown it. Mm Mm-hmm. Remember in 5.14 where it says that Adam was a type of the one to come? Yes. It's important. Adam was pictured as an individual. He was pictured as male and female. He was pictured as the whole human race. Like Genesis 1.27, he's pictured as a corporate identity. Yes. Go ahead. It says, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him male and female created he them them little king james there he he was a picture of an individual man in genesis 2 7 and the lord god formed the man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living soul interesting how adam had his very beginning with face-to-face fellowship yeah with, amen with amen. the father 
and he gave it up. Yeah. It's also, Adam is pictured as both male and female. In Genesis 5, 1 and 2, this is the book of the generations of Adam. Same word, means mankind. Mankind. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God, made he him, male and female, created he them. Them. And blessed them, and called their name, plural, Adam. Adam. Mankind. Called both of them Adam. Adam. In the day they were created. Yes. They two people, meaning one person, Adam. And here's a verse that Paul picks up. And Adam said this, Now, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. What brought in the shame? The sin. The sin. What was the sin? It was Adam as corporate, as male and female, as one man, all of the above, saying, I will be like God without God. By my own strength, I will be like God. In other words, the sin is... Is trying to be like God. Trying to do your best without God's strength. There's a sense in which the sin is like the knowledge of the from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right, that you don't have the ability. You don't have the ability but to live the pleasing life that you want to live. But you're trying in your own human strength and the sin is mastering you. That's why he said, shall we continue living in the sin? Thank you. Is he saying, do you want to continue going to the bars, getting on the porn sites? and uh, Not that I do any of this, but (laughs) (laughs) I've heard people say it. But he's not saying that at all, is he? No, no. He's saying, do you want to continue trying to do your best and failing at it and feeling guilty as all then you're continuing in the The sin sin. that's what the sin is it's not a verb you guys you have to get that one fact that it's not a verb he didn't say do you want to continue sinning he said you want to continue in the sin the principle the law of dynamics of the sin And I think we can all say, no, we don't. Don't. Or we can say like Paul said, may anoia. God forbid, may it never be. We died to the sin. That's what, what we died to the sin was the judgment that we all took. And we all got credit for the death penalty that was due every human being. Yes, yes. And... We were free from the sin. Like I said, it's not a verb, it's a noun. And from Romans 6 on, it is depicted and talked about as the sin, as in other words, the sin master. Sin shall not, the sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. When you're under law in your own human performance trying to please God the sin pummels you that's what Paul said the law is spiritual but I am of flesh in bondage to the sin I am a human in bondage to the sin do you want to live in the sin anymore? Do you want to live in bondage to the sin because you're trying to attain the goal of the Christian life by human effort? Because you will be in bondage to the sin. If you want to live by the law, you the will law. be under the sin. Yes, yes, that's why Paul said, no good thing dwells in me that is in my human effort. But I find that the evil is living 
in me, the one who wants to do good. The wishing to do good is in me, but the doing of good is not because I've got a taskmaster called the sin. Please understand that we're talking about a noun and the ramifications of these passages using the sin as a noun. The implications are enormous. They're life-changing. Understanding that the sin is a noun is life-changing. It'll allow you to get off the human performance treadmill. I cannot say this loud enough. Do you now realize the law was never given to put down the sin? The law was never given for behavior modification. If it was, it was a complete failure because it made sin increase. Do you get that? The law was never given to stop people from sinning. It was given to increase sin so that their sin would increase and their need for a Savior, Christ in them, would be... Would also increase. And then... And their willingness to accept Christ in them as their hope of glory. Yes, their need for grace would increase. Dramatically. Yes, yes. Hopefully we've said something that makes sense. Father, I hope that you've opened the eyes of every listener's heart so that they can understand what we're trying to say here and get off that human performance treadmill. God put away sin once and for all. Sin is not a problem to God. It's an indicator of a need that you have. That's what sin indicates in you. It indicates that you need the life of Jesus flowing through you. And to let you know that you can never overcome sin, the sin, through human effort. Yes. You can never be like God just through your human effort. And to let you know you were already created in his image. We, we just read that verse. Yes. Amen. Amen. But Adam was lied to by the serpent. And God pointed out that lie when he said, Adam, where are you? And he said, I was afraid. I was naked. And God said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat of that tree? Are you living in the sin? Are you tired of being lied to? If you're tired of being lied to, by the way of human effort, here comes Jesus saying to you, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that's that's our prayer, Father God. Give us understanding that there's a way of life in Christ Jesus. Let the truth set us free, Lord. Teach us, Father God, what Jesus meant in John 14 when he said, In that day... In that day, you will know that I am in you and you are in me and I'm in the Father and the Father in you and that we will come and make our abode with you. That's so huge. Help us understand that, Father God. Yes. That we have the way, the truth, and the life living inside of us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to everybody for listening to us. I'm kind of emotional about this this stuff, Steve, because yeah. it's so important. It, you're it, right. You're it, right. It, I, I hate to diminish it by saying it's a game changer, but it is. Yes. It was. It changed my life dramatically. Mm-hmm. Me too. Me too. I was saved by it. I had a miserable first. 12 years of Christianity. Yeah, me too. Always feeling guilty. Yeah. And I never wanted to continue sinning. I wanted to stop sinning. So bad. So bad. If people only knew how bad I wanted to stop sinning, but I couldn't. No. Because I didn't know this. That's what. That's why I'm so passionate about saying it to you. Can you imagine can how many people podcast. are saying ditto right now? I think a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's why you guys have to help us get this word out. We want to set people free from the lie, but we need your help. If you can just tell 
other people where our web page is and tell them to go to the web page and listen to the podcast and become followers. We need followers. We need you to be our follower and then help bring in more followers so that this word can be heard by thousands and that it could grow someday exponentially and we could set people free from the human performance treadmill. That's what Bill and I have lived our entire adult lives for, to set people free. And we've done it one or two people at a time, and we're hoping to to get a platform and have an audience of thousands. We, We really would like to change the face of Christianity as we know it, so that it would be a Christ-driven Christian life, not a human-driven Christian life, Father. We, we just need your help to do that. Please join our Facebook page and please join our web page. That's at guardinggrace.com. And our Facebook page is Steve Lenart, L-E-N-A-R-T, just look that up on Facebook and it'll say Guardians of Grace right there. Come join our Facebook page and and get in our community because we've got a community of people that are sharpening iron as iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens another and we're all growing in grace together so come join us and help us grow grace. And do one more thing. Yes. I think I can say this because I know the results. Go back and open your Bible in the Romans 6, 1, 2, 3, 4 through 10. And then go back to Romans 5, 12 and read it over and over again. And ask God to open your eyes and see, is what Steve and Bill are saying actually true? Is it bearing this out? Is Is this corporate identity? The word corporate identity is not in the Bible, but is this principle there and ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten your eyes pray that prayer for the eyes of your understanding to be enlightening and I promise you God will answer that and he'll speak to you through Romans 6 and Romans 5 12 to the end of the chapter in Romans 6 and Romans 7 and Romans 8 35 years ago a preacher asked me to purpose to memorize chapter six, seven, and eight, and I did, and my life would never be the same. He said, those three chapters have the ability to unlock the the Bible to you and they, what they the do. new covenant is about. And it did. Eventually it did. I did not understand it at first, but just by meditating on Romans 6, 7, and 8, 5, 6, 7, and 8, my life changed. And the same with Bill. He's got this same testimony. So please get our testimony for yourself. Okay, we love you guys. I look forward to next week's podcast. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. Good night. Good night.